The Guardian. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes creating a professional website for your business, personal brand or portfolio so easy it's newsworthy. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer Guardian to get 10% off. Hello, I'm John Plunkett and welcome to Media Talk. On this week's show, a bad night for the BBC at the BAFTAs, but troubles all round for ITV and Channel 4. But did the judges call it right? Plus, Twitter eyes up SoundCloud while Google looks at Twitch. We'll find out what the hell I'm talking about. And it's all change at Panorama, as the BBC's news chief warns, we've got to act. So he did. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. And joining me this week are Steve Ackerman of digital content company Something Else, podcaster extraordinaire Helen Zaltzman, and Media Talk legend, journalist Maggie Brown. Welcome all. Hello. Hello. Hi. Maggie, now you still have a smile on your face from last night. Tell us why. Well, because I and that's watched... Not, I'm not, <laughs> and that's not meant to be some sort of, you know, <laughs> horrific... Vis- exactly. No, it's simply because I watched Jeremy Paxman and Sylvia Berlusconi tangling... Uh, <laughs> On Newsnight, and uh, I just found it one of the, the best bits of broadcasting I've watched for ages. I, I went to bed with a, a giggle in my heart, and I woke up this morning still feeling rather elevated, to be honest. That's all you can ask for in life, isn't it? Elevation? Yes. I'm, I'm going to watch this clip and take it with me wherever I go. Do. And Steve, you had a big night last night, according to your Twitter feed at least. You appeared to be on the roof somewhere looking for an, uh, an eclipse, but I got that wrong, didn't I? Yeah, you did get that wrong, and uh, I think a fire drill was one of the other suggestions. It was basically a photo of the something else staff looking in one direction. Uh, no, not, <laughs> not at one Not direction. looking at one direction. But we were actually looking at a band, but it was one of our own members of staff playing on our, on our roof. Helen, were you, uh, were you on a roof anywhere last night? When were you last on a roof? When were you last on a roof? I was considering whether to end it all, John. Uh, no, I was recording a different podcast last night. I, was, I, mean, I wasn't giggling at Silvio Berlusconi, I wasn't watching a band on a roof. Hey, what other podcast was that? Because people might need another podcast to listen to soon, so tell us all about it. it oh, this one is uh, International Waters, it's a transatlantic panel show type podcast. Excellent. I don't I... think it's a direct substitute <laughs> for other podcasts like this one. Producer Matt says it's very good. I tell you, that I was watching the last episode of Mad Men, and this series Mad Men is, it might not be one for pur- purists, I suspect, but it is the most fun I've had watching Mad Men for a long time. But look at all your faces. None of you watch it. I, I watch it, but I don't have Sky, so I have to wait oh, do you? for it to come out. I was watching Happy Valley and getting very depressed, which may explain why I felt so cheered up. <laughs> Steve, you, you probably weren't watching TV, but if you had been in, what would you have been watching? Well, no, I got about three series in to Mad Men and then got a little bit bored by it. But we're fishing around for the next thing because we just finished Breaking Bad about a month ago. So, oh, yeah. So we're just... Uh, Get I tell, back to Mad Men. I tell you what, I, what uh, we are watching at the moment, which is, which is terrific, is Fargo. Oh, is it? oh, and it's beautifully shot. See, really, really classily made. All right, excellent. Well, time for some news now. Uh, controversial, I know. It was awards week, wasn't it? Yes, it was BAFTAs, of course. Uh, we were all there, of course we were. And it was good night for uh, ITV, eight awards. Good night for Channel Four, eight awards. But not so good for the BBC, which only won four, and that's kind of being kind because that includes the viewers' award, which doesn't really count, does it? So BBC Two got two, BBC Three got two, soon to be axed as a TV channel. BBC Three, yeah, I know it's going to be online, and nothing for BBC Two. Maggie, my question for you, was this a fair reflection of the BBC's year? Well, I think it probably was for BBC Two because they haven't really got that sort of fresh uh, new thing which gets BAFTA members excited. So, hey, but what example, about you know, Top of the Lake or The Fall or well, Peaky Blinders? Well, Top of the Lake and Peaky Blinders and... In fact, the star of Peaky Blinders was quite upset about it. But Mr. It Sam was, Neill. He was. He was He was very annoyed. But at the same time, I think actually that uh, 
BAFTA had a massively difficult choice to make, but I think they chose correctly. I, I think there were flaws, actually, in Top of the Lake, and I, I watched it all and found it quite boring, so I wasn't surprised. And Peaky Blind as well, there's always another year, isn't there? I think most seriously for the BBC, is it's simply the fact that when you come to the things which may not matter so much to BAFTA audiences, the TV audience, but things like Current Affairs, there were no BBC... Uh, shows in in that category all of them were provided by channel four for example Gogglebox was a clear winner because it's fresh and different and there is this sense of sameness about a lot of uh, bbc2 output now it, it is very much dominated by this sort of endless cookery and goodness knows what else despite some very very good dramas what do you think of the baptist do well i mean first of all i think it's easy for all of us to get overexcited about award ceremonies because we're stuck in this in this lovely media bubble that we live in but um, I'm not sure necessarily outside of our world how much these things really get picked up on apart from being a TV show in itself to enjoy on the night. I would suggest they're watching for the dresses and the red carpets and the celebrities that they know and seeing Anton Deck wave at the camera that you know are, are the public really going to pick up on the fact that BBC One or BBC Two have only won one or two awards I'm, I'm not sure they necessarily will. I thought the really interesting thing was the international awards and the fact that you've got Netflix, Breaking Bad, which you know was a show that started on cable in America and only really came to life in the UK because of well because of Netflix here. It was buried. It was on Channel Five, wasn't it? Late at night with the first couple of series and just absolutely buried. Yeah. So you know, interesting though that you've got those new platforms actually in the in the mix. Steve of the uh, BAFTA winning production company, something else. Uh, says you can <laughs> take the BAFTAs. <laughs> Thank you, John. Yeah. That is true. As Steve says, you can take the BAFTAs too seriously. <laughs> Oh, I take them very seriously, John. I think of nothing else all year. But what about Channel 4? You know, I mean, they want... Has Channel 4 turned the corner now? Can we stop going on about Big Brother and creative renewal? And, uh, you know, is this evidence that they've, uh, you know, got some big hits there? The corners seem so incredibly arbitrary. It's just a narrative, isn't it, to apply every every few months or so? By media just, types. Just by you. You're yep. creating Channel 4 and then you break it just uh, just at your will. <laughs> and, and it seems to me like most of the coverage is focused on Broadchurch doing really well. I think a lot of that is just to do with the fact that Olivia Coleman's in it and show me one person that doesn't love Olivia Coleman. Oh, no, but it was it, that was a superb piece of writing. Mm, no, no, it was. I think it, it was, was an okay su- piece of writing no, with it, a good cast. It was an excellent piece of writing with an excellent cast because for a midweek drama to, to garner the audience they got was, I think, very significant. And, you know, don't get me wrong, there is obviously a currency and credibility in your peers judging you and something being, you know, marked out as being excellent. So for someone to win a BAFTA is clearly great. All I'm saying is I think for the wider public, I'm not sure necessarily with any of our awards Mm. ceremonies how much they really resonate. After all, the public did vote. They had uh, one uh, category and they voted for Doctor Who and the 50th uh, anniversary programme. So in a sense, there is a balance there. The other thing I would say is that... Channel 4 is a deserved winner because if you look at the annual report which came out uh, earlier this month, what you find is that there is now a growing tide of programmes that they have experimented with or formats which are coming back and which can run for longer amounts of time in the year. So I think that there is evidence not just of green shoots now but of a a degree of creative uh, renewal and and I think the evidence of the BAFTAs would slightly suggest that. Well, I thought it was interesting that Gogglebox got one because that that almost seemed to me like an idea from a different era of reality TV from the early noughties or something. So incredibly simple and crystalline and it seemed like that kind of idea hadn't been on for a while but the skill is in the casting isn't mm. it and so the two big surprises for me were uh, were Bedlam beating Educating Yorkshire and uh, Anton Deck beating Strictly which I'd have thought would be the other way around 
as they were at the uh, broadcasting press guilds last month, which I happen to which I happen to chair. But uh, you know, so maybe maybe they got it a bit uh, a bit more spot on. But Maggie, just quick word on BBC Three, and I know they won. As we say, you know, they are Baftas. They're not the be all and end all, but you know, it's a sign that BBC Three, within the flesh, him and, him uh, and, and with him and her, yeah. both you know acclaimed shows, which. Um, Unless they find a, a decent slot on one or two when BBC Three disappears next year, you know, they're going to... Well, him and hers going to an end anyway. My problem with this is that I just do not believe the BBC is run efficiently. And I think that if I believe that, then having to cut services would be, well, maybe the price you pay for a, a poor licence fee settlement uh, struck in 2010. I simply can't understand how this huge wash of middle management continues and we we see evidence of it with almost every announcement the BBC makes and at the same time it is apparently cutting a channel which isn't that extravagant which does actually whether you like it or not still have a a resonance with the with tablet uh, and mobile younger audience and in addition it clearly does have some spaces for new and experimental situation comedy that, that actually catches the expert's eyes. So all in all, I thought it was a rather bittersweet moment, actually, for BBC Three. Right, well, time to move on now. And this is the uh, section of the show called the uh, the Steve uh, Ackerman section, because uh, there are two big tech deals going around. And Steve, I'm turning to you here for, for help. First off is this uh, suggestion that Twitter is going to buy uh, SoundCloud. Tell our listeners, what, what, what's, uh, what, what's SoundCloud and, and why, is, why is Twitter going to buy it? Well, SoundCloud is a place for you to host short clips of audio, and they tend to be the music or podcasts. They can um, be really long. They can, well, they, they can, can be, be long. long. Yeah, no, yeah. indeed, indeed. But or I think, 40 minutes long like Media Talk. I think sort of fair to say the way mo- most people have consumed it is, is on some of the shorter stuff. But um, combination of podcasts and music, I think valued at something like 700 mi- I mean, you, you know exactly better right. me, John, 700, 700 million dollars or pounds? Just off the top of my head here, I think uh, SoundCloud valued at 700 million dollars, yeah. Which is astounding. What it really shows is Twitter starting to try and find other ways they can reach audiences. We all know that, that the growth has slowed down a little bit recently, and and, and obviously they have they have gone into so certainly gone into music before, and that didn't quite that worked very badly. That didn't quite pay off. Yeah, they, they essentially copied SoundCloud's look and launched Twitter Music with a lot of fanfare last year, and then killed it off this spring with very little fanfare. It just didn't take off at all for them. So I was wondering whether this is whether they'll keep more distance rather than trying to integrate this and whether it's more of an investment. I think the truth is that you see with lots of the lots of the different tech players, you know, there is a battle for eyes and ears and it's a case of just going out and trying to grab whatever you can and then really seeing what's worked. You know, so many of these companies are either throwing off so much cash or in Twitter's case can raise so much cash obviously through the, through the share offering that they, you know, they have those chances to take risks that seem on a big scale to us but which I think for them are not necessarily so much so in the sense of you know they do have huge amounts of cash to play with also soundcloud's users actually pay to use it if you have a pro account then you pay $9.99 a month which is a difference like people don't pay to use twitter it's not very profitable even though there are adverts and promoted tweets and stuff so maybe it's a viable income stream for them and the other big tech deal of the week is that google is reportedly going to acquire live games video site twitch for one billion dollars uh, the three-year-old site apparently turned down an offer from Microsoft in favour of a deal from Google, which uh, the plan is, by all accounts, is going to merge Twitch and its uh, 45 million users with YouTube. Uh, Steve, gaming is where it's at, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not so familiar with Twitch, but gaming is where it's at. And if you look at Facebook's policy, it's very, very similar. You know, Facebook sees itself as a gaming platform now. Maybe this is Google making a 
a very similar play. When you look at the success of sites like uh, Miniclip, you know, they are bringing lots and lots of people into one place. And, and clearly for Google, it's about finding out information. And if that's a way that you can, you can get further data and information about users, then it clearly makes sense to, to try and move into that space. And you guys, something else, you, don't, you do plenty of uh, gaming, don't you, apps? And, uh, which is your big... Uh the rapper, the rapper, is that right? Is that you? Well, we're—I'm uh, trying to think what I can or can't talk about, but we're—we're. We're Tell pro- us what you can't talk well, about. Well, no, I think what I can talk about because I, it has been published. Is we're in production at the moment, uh, doing the new game for Strange Hill High for for Children's BBC. So that's very exciting. Um, Tell us that program again. Strange Hill High. It's Strange one of Hill CBBC's big big uh, shows. I'm still on the. I'm still on the Abney and Teal at the minute. Yeah, and then and then obviously the other one is um, is is last year, tail end of last year. Papa Sangre Two was our game that came out that Metacritic said was the was the best game in the world for iOS. So, Papa Sangre, yeah, yeah, not Parappa the Rapper. Who's no. Parappa the Rapper? I, 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 nothing to do with us. I have no idea. Right, I may have just made that up entirely. But uh, anyway, more from my head next week. Uh, right, okay. Well, next up, it's time to go back to the BBC, uh, where it's all change at Panorama, something I can get my head round. Where editor Tom Giles has stepped down after four years to be replaced on an acting basis for six months only by the BBC's head of news programmes, Kerry Thomas, uh, the former editor of Today. Giles is going to head up a review of BBC Current Affairs uh, after the BBC Director of News and Current Affairs, James Harding, said it was at a crossroads in the digital age where traditional TV audiences are falling and viewers are finding different ways of watching TV and producers are finding new ways of making it. The BBC is trying to adapt, said Harding, but we're doing it piecemeal and I believe we have to act. Maggie, this was a, 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 an especially sort of BBC change, wasn't it? Particularly in the sense that Kerry Thomas is now going to report into his deputy, former Channel 4 newsman Jim Gray, who's going to be acting head of news programmes. So answers I, on a postcard, if you will. Well, it seemed to me like shuffling the deck chairs. I, I find this a classic BBC move. Uh, Kerry Thomas, who was uh, an excellent editor of the Today programmes, found himself head of news programmes. Now he finds himself only for six months, we're told, um, editing Panorama. Uh, the person in all of this who I think is really talented, Tom Giles, who is what I would call a proper editor, seems to have been both awarded, won lots and lots of awards for the BBC. I, admittedly not this year, but I mean, he's one of the, I would say, stellar uh, people in the BBC who does believe in investigative journalism. There have been some mistakes, but there have also been a hell of a lot of very good stories, including, if you remember, the exposure of... Um, Poor Care in uh, Winterbourne Down, that won many awards, and also Patrick Mercer's uh, the MP uh, Cash for Questions uh, scandal, and it cost him his seat. There have been many good panoramas, and I think that uh, this strange business, Jim Gray, who was the former news editor of Channel 4, was uh, running Newsnight, now comes back in and is standing in as the, as you say, the head of news programme, so Kerry Thomas will report to him. It all sounds like a bit of a mess. Well, this could be my last chance to say W1A. W1A. It is W1A. And I also think that there is, of course, a problem about how you do current affairs. But at the same time, you can have quite modest audiences for shows that actually make a huge difference and go on resonating and can have a life way, way beyond whether it's a half an hour slot or a nine o'clock slot. So I don't know what the BBC is going to do, but at the moment it looks to me, as you say, a classic W1A moment. I don't uh, hold my breath. Uh, well, I hold my breath and wonder what happens next, actually. It seems quite a uh, failsafe for Kerry Thomas, though, because if the programme 
suddenly magically improves. I'll be like, oh, look at him. He he solved it all. And if it doesn't, they'll say, well, he only had six months. You can't really do anything in six months. If, as if to prove James Harding's point, the, the following day's panorama after this announcement got just 1.5 million viewers. So, you know, but it is in the silver world being... We went to Sunday nights, didn't it, a very long time ago, then got back, put back into peak, but slap bang up against Coronation That's Street. Exactly, at Hopper State. And the other point is, too, that um, when you look at a lot of these programmes, I mean, dispatches uh, on Channel 4 may not do any better than that, but it carries a punch. Uh, Channel 4 News at 7 o'clock. Again, they're looking at ways to attract younger people, although they do have quite a, a large proportion of younger people and uh, black and ethnic and uh, mixed race watching that show. So everybody, in a way, is looking at what on earth you do uh, to, to keep the saliency, if you like, of current affairs and investigative journalism alive in terms of ratings. But I do think that you have to remember that these have an impact way beyond the show itself. I think if you're if you're reviewing these things, then I then I think you've got to look at things much more in the realm, which is the sense of it. Is it just about ratings? I mean, I like what Channel Four have done with Four Shorts, where they're trying to take a different approach to the programs you know that they have on air. They're then basically chopping up into into much smaller bite-sized chunks because they recognise that different platforms allow for different ways for things to be consumed, and particularly with programs like Panorama, where you are creating a talking point, a discussion. You know, what's the social media strategy around that? How are they baking that conversation into the program or into what happens afterwards? And I suppose that's the thing I'd be looking to see. You know, is there going to be a slightly more nuanced approach that allows for a a multi-platform outlook, obviously with the TV show as the centre point, but which allows for conversations to happen in a a number of places and and hopefully by doing so brings further audience back to the main TV show? I think Tom Giles should call you. Well, I'm I'm here at a very large consultancy fee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, the last time a BBC Current Affairs show trended on Twitter, it didn't didn't, didn't have a very good outcome, did it? So uh, for anyone involved... Uh, Right, more after this. Time for News in Brief now. And The Sun is jumping on the World Cup bandwagon by giving away 22 million free copies. Not the regular Sun, but a special edition which will have lots of football, but no page three. And also they won't be giving it away... Well, it will have a page three, but it won't have a topless model. Also, they won't be giving it away in Liverpool, proving that it really is the city where they can't uh, give it away. Uh... Helen, this is a hell of a marketing splash. 22 million free copies. Yes, for every household in England, but uh, Scotland and Wales and Ireland can presumably buy their own if they want it. And Liverpool. And Liverpool, who don't want it, evidently. Don't you think it's such an open declaration of how much Liverpool hate them? that they're not even going to try and give them free copies of The Sun. Like, come on, guys, it was ages ago, take this free copy of The Sun. It's about football, you like that, don't you? No, you're absolutely right. Uh, And what about, is it a sign that page three is not long of this earth, or should we not read too much into this? Well, they've said no. We're not running Dear Deirdre either, so a lot of the regulars are being disrupted because it's a special edition. I think it probably wouldn't even be mentioned in the news coverage that they're not having page three had there not been such a lot of no more page three campaign success in the last several months. Well, maybe it's a softly, softly approach. They're going to see if there are a lot of people who are extremely sexually frustrated after receiving a copy of The Sun with no page three in it. And if not, maybe they'll consider (laughs) phasing it out. But no, I don't know whether that's of particular significance. I would suggest if you are, then get in touch. But actually, I probably don't want to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> Steve, the World Cup is going to be fantastic to see how all the different kind of rival media organisations here, you know, from print, uh, especially online. Uh, and also, given the, given the, the kick-off times, because it'd be very late at night, isn't it, how, how, the, how the press, uh, you know, deal with this and how they, they maximise coverage and sales. Well, some of the games are late at night. Some of them are obviously a bit 
earlier. I think England's third game, I'm right in saying, kicks off at five o'clock in the afternoon. But uh, I'll see you on your roof. Well, the uh, actually the projector is going to be on the second floor, John. If you want to join us, uh, <laughs> is, that, is that four? Is we that have we 4K, discussed that. Yeah. Whatever it is, four D, four HD. Yeah, um, but no, it, it is going to be fantastically exciting. And actually, this is going to be obviously the first social media World Cup. I mean, I know it's only four years, and and plenty of people were using Twitter and other forms of social media in 2010. But we have obviously reached a much much bigger level now. And I and I think especially the way social media has started to use visual images and assets which which wasn't happening four years ago and in that sense that gives a lot of scope for what can or can't be done some of the comments and jokes and different things that that can spill out of the games as you know half the fun around the world cup is what goal is going to turn up in a city jumper or or you know you know what do fans look like you know all the all, you know five thousand people with their faces painted orange all that sort of thing obviously i'm looking forward to it Whenever I turn sport on now, I just hear this, this small voice in the background saying, Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig, yeah. Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig. So football's not what it was, but I guess if they're late at night, then, you know, certain exactly. people are being in bed, yeah? Should be in bed anyway. Right, next up, I hesitate to talk about the BBC again, but one word answers, if you will. It turns out the BBC spent almost £29 million on hotel bills in three years. Uh, there's lots of stuff going on in that time. There was uh, something going on, believe uh, some kind of winter sporting event involving five rings. Uh, there was Commonwealth Games and there was something in Brazil as well. Um, but uh, is this an outrage, yes or no? £29 million, three years, BBC hotel rooms. Maggie, one word answer. No. No, Steve. No. No. No, brilliant. Okay, right, we can all go back to bed. Salford Keys uh, holiday in next to Media City. <laughs> well, not strictly speaking, a well-known answer, Helen. So you're, you're, you're oh, sorry, disqualified from that round. Yeah, okay, next up, here's a headline. Freeview has government support, says Vasey. Uh, Steve, why does, why does Freeview need government support? What's the problem here? Is this all to do with uh, mobile phones? Look at the face he's given me. Maggie. No, it's because Ofcom, well, it is partly mobile phones. Ofcom have designs on some of the frequencies in the range that DTT... Digital again, Terrestrial digital Television. Digital Terrestrial yeah. Television uses. And it is a fact that it could well be the case that some of these frequencies are going to be cleared out and auctioned and it will affect the Freeview service. So you've got the great sort of media success story of the last 10 years. Well, yes, Under threat. 19 million homes. And I don't think that this is a, an, a, an overblown story at all. I think that, that clearly that there's a very huge value in these frequencies. And we all know the future is mobile, as we've been talking about. So there's a sort of conflict of interest here. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But I've certainly been at events, uh, and I've been reporting on them, where nobody is taking this lightly. And Ed Vasey may say one thing, but the Treasury and Ofcom may come up with something else. Yeah, Maggie, you say the future's mobile, and it definitely is. But I tell you what, it may be a question for Steve or Helen. Is It is mobile, but as long as you remember to download it before you leave the house, you know, or is it just me? Um, you know, the, the idea that uh, I can ever actually uh, get much to come through my phone on the train journey into work or whatever, unless it's already on my phone, you know, downloaded, That's is not going to happen. the auction. Is it? See? Is that all tied That's in? Tell me about this, 4G, Maggie. Because that you'll have a much better service. And this is exactly what the problem is. You've identified it. So actually, Freeview is a, pi- is, is a price. <laughs> the death of Freeview is a price worth paying if I can watch uh, uh, Netflix between St. Albans and King's Cross, yeah? <laughs> well, Do we agree? One word answers. No, you're no. You're going to get a very expensive <laughs> data plan, John. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It only really works if people have uncapped data plans. I hesitate to bring up Peppa Pig again, but a couple of episodes in Peppa Pig while I've got a three-year-old in my lap and get my hair cut costs cost more than the haircut. <laughs> and admittedly, it was a cheap haircut, as you can tell, but still. Anyway, right, moving on. And the last story, another tech story. This is almost like uh, another podcast called Tech Weekly, but no, you're listening to Media Talk from The Guardian. And it is uh, everyone's favourite media company, uh, UBC, has merged with Seven Digital. 
uh, with whom I am less familiar. Steve, uh, <laughs> enlighten me in a way that you didn't with Freeview and Mobile. Uh, Go. Well, well, in a way, it's not a merger. I think it's a reverse takeover. Right. So um, correct me and enlighten me. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, well, I think I think officially it is a merger, but, of course. But reverse because the management, I think, of UBC will ostensibly be you know, dominating the board uh, in terms of the new company. And this it, is a Simon, Simon Cole's company. This is say, Simon yeah. Cole's company, obviously, and Simon Cole's company, obviously, um, traditional radio production company, along with some radio tech. So they provide some of the tech behind things like uh, Radio Player, uh, Seven Digital, uh, very uh, tech-based. So it basically allows them to offer a complete sort of B2B audio service rather than necessarily a b2c one which ubc had played with because they also had shareholdings in audio boo they were they were the largest shareholder which is part of this deal they have downgraded that shareholding they've, they've spun that off away from this from this company so um yeah i think i think it's a good move i think they get the, the combined business is valued at 30 million which is obviously quite quite a nice size business now you know interesting i suppose to see what once would have been described as a traditional radio indie very much not that now which is exciting and and to be applauded okay right thank you very much Stephen. time now just for our media monkey quiz which i know maggie's uh Maggie's personal favourite. Question number one. What did Eddie Mayer have to say about Lord Patton? <laughs> Nothing at all. <laughs> he left an empty space at the bottom of his Radio Times column. He did. He, he, did, he, did. he told readers, that the, edit- the editor has asked me to leave some space at the end of this week's column to share my most cherished memory of Lord Patton and then just left a big white blank space. Uh, and it says here, <laughs> very amusing media story, if Eddie Mayer is on uh, Patton's Christmas card list, he's presumably get a blank one. <laughs> <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> but will, uh, he get, will he get the Newsnight chair? <laughs> will he get the Newsnight? And should he? Supplementary question. Uh, I'd be very happy if he did. Maybe. Ellen? I'm putting each way bet on. Right, excellent. We should turn this into the one-word podcast, shouldn't we? Just one-word answers in every question. Uh, right, uh, question number two. Why has the new culture secretary, or newish culture secretary, uh, Sajid Javid, got the right stuff? Oh, because uh, he's appointed. I don't. I can't remember her name, but he's appointed as his ad- right. Thank you. Okay, I'll share the points with Helen on that one. He's yes. appointed as his ad- his advisor. I think that's right, isn't it? Uh, a lady who used to be a producer on The Right Stuff. Exactly, yes. Uh, he has pointed Salma Shah, a former producer on Channel 5's The Right Stuff, as his top media advisor. So it's all to play for as we head into question number three. Uh, what's wrong with the recipe at MasterChef? Oh, people were complaining that uh, uh, that the one of the latest late episodes uh, involved all the contestants going to Barcelona and learning from uh, very esteemed Spanish chefs, and so when they dubbed them into English, they did so in very heavily accented English. Oh, oh I did like I did like Jay Rayner's tweet about this, where he said, "What's wrong with MasterChef? Why are they using the voiceovers from Spanish porn?" That's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Why? Have they been voiced by people who do translations for Catalan porn movies? Uh, that's right, yes. So good old MasterChef, yes. Um, so exactly right, Helen, well done. Thanks. So in the most exciting Media Monkey quiz ever, that's one and a half points to Helen, uh, one point to Maggie and half a point to Steve. So um, I'm content. And Helen, I think that means you get to keep the trophy. Yes, I'm running around the room with it right now. We have to carry you around the Guardian building on a lap of honour now. <laughs> that, that could damage you very badly. <laughs> And uh, any final thoughts? What are, we, what are we looking forward to in the next uh, in, in the media week ahead? Uh, I've just sprung that on you. So uh, uh, gauge on how excited you look on your faces to answer that question. I'll ask you in this order. Well, Steve's raised a curious eyebrow. Steve, what are you looking forward to next week? Well, I'm going to I'm going to sound terrible now, aren't I? But I'm 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 off to China next Ooh. week, so I'm very much looking forward to that on uh, on a creative industries uh, trade mission with with the uh, Parappa the rapper. 
with uh, <laughs> yes, peripheral. It, it, it may be. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know who Another uh, makes it. Another yeah. figment of your imagination. Yes, exactly. John. exactly. The- who are you going with, Steve? What's this about? Well, I'm not. I'm not necessarily going with anyone in in terms of uh, you know. I'm going on my own. Uh, what do but, you mean? <laughs> well, what I, was, I mean, <laughs> wasn't suggesting you're going to share a bed with uh, Tim uh, Davey or whoever, uh, but he's going, isn't he? But yeah, no. There's different a, there's hotel a, room. There's a there's a working group that was set up by the BBC. Oh, by BBC Worldwide and uh, Universal Music, and I think all three media uh, with the government as well. And this is on the back of Cameron's visit to China last year uh, to find ways to obviously get trade and cooperation going with Chinese media. Uh, because Britain obviously is seen as a, a creative powerhouse, and so um, so there's a number of companies going out. So yes, excellent. Good luck. I would look forward to you reporting back. I would have loved to have come back in a few weeks' time and told you more, but I don't think I can do that anymore. So well, just come and tell me. <laughs> then I'll, I'll just shout from the rooftop, from your rooftop. Right, there's a theme emerging. Helen, what are you up to? Are you going to China, Lanzarote? Not, no, as far as I know, I'm not going anywhere but Crystal Palace next week. But uh, of course, I'm looking forward to a big box takeover of Media Talk. John. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, thank you for that. And uh, Maggie Brown. Well, I'm actually going to Wales to my husband's country house, but I'm looking forward to The Duchess of Malfi on BBC4, which I have seen in the Old Vic, but I'm looking forward to the authentic version, which they're putting out as part of this new arts initiative. They are. And uh, yes. I'm also, I must say, I am addicted to Happy Valley, uh, which uh, is this incredibly tense uh, BBC1 uh, drama, which uh, was out last night and uh, I think it's the fifth episode next week yeah and Steve when you get back from China reinvestigate your old uh, Mad Men box sets and get into it again okay but don't bother with series six don't bother okay no that was was rough going wasn't it John Uh, I can't remember actually I think I nodded off yeah Yeah, there you go exactly All right. well my thanks uh, to all my guests Maggie Brown Steve Ackerman and Helen Zaltzman And it's time to talk TV now. In the last regular TV slot, because next week's podcast is a bit of a special edition, folks. And I'm joined by Vicky Frost. Vicky, hello. Hello, hello. I like your bright yellow sandals. Thank you. They're brighter than my voice. I have a cold today, I'm afraid. Well, it's that time of year. It's the warm weather, isn't it? You always get a chill when it goes warm. I right? just think uh, it's not being in Australia where it's always sunny and you're in the sea and you eat avocados. I think that's the problem, really. Oh, man, I don't don't beat yourself up. It's all right. You're back in Blighty. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's not. You get the BBC. <laughs> right. That's true. You do get the BBC, and I have been enjoying the BBC very much. Excellent. Well, that uh, segues nicely into TV. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm going to seize control of this uh, aeroplane. Are we on an aeroplane? We're metaphorically, no, we? yeah. And uh, I've got the joystick. I'm pressing the buttons. And uh, it's, uh, I've hit Sky Atlantic and I'm watching Mad Men. Oh. And what, a refre- what a brilliant... I said, it's uh, not since um, True Detective, which isn't very long ago. Have I, <laughs> a few have weeks I, ago. <laughs> not for literally for several weeks. So I look forward to the TV series quite as much as I'm enjoying Mad Men. Because, you know, the last few series, oh, it's been a real struggle, but I've stuck with it. But this, I don't know, I, I have a hunch that maybe the purists maybe don't like this series because so much is happening. And it's a bit more like a traditional, you know, kind of TV soap almost. But it's so much fun, even though a lot of it is quite bleak. Uh, like, you know, uh, people cutting their own nipples off, for instance, uh, in this week's episode. But it's just, I watch it with a grin on my face and I don't want it to end. I want it to last forever or at least one more series. Isn't this the final series? It is, yeah. But it's split, is it? So it it feels almost like you're getting two series for the price of one. 
But I'm already in mourning for the fact that there's only two episodes left of the current run. Oh, no, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't think, oh, no, this series is going to end and get sad before it does actually end. That's a real error. Um, I think there's a real joy in things finishing, actually. And, you know, the same as when you have, like, one series shows. There is, like, a certain joy in watching them and knowing that you've only got those eight episodes. I always think, say, with Spaced, for instance, it's better for the fact there isn't that much of it um, when you rewatch it. You don't have seven series to get through, and you rewatch it more, maybe. Yep, Flight of the Concords. Yep. Same thing. Uh, Party Animals. Uh, my turn. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, producer Matt says Forty Towers, showing his age. She's not that old. So Madwen gets the, gets the Plunkett thumbs up. What's what's getting the Frosto thumbs up right now? Boringly, I have been watching quite a lot of Chelsea Flower Show. Actually, that's not boring at all. It's great. It um, is. It's a breath of fresh air. No Alan Titchmarsh and uh, fronted by Monty Don. I love it, although I've been sick for a couple of days, so I have really seen the daytime and the evening editions. And uh, they should get rid of Nikki Chapman. I mean, what's she doing fronting it in the daytime? She's not even a gardener. Nikki Chapman. Now, was she on Pop Stars once? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't know what she's got to do with gardening, but not very much. So she shouldn't be fronting it, I don't think. Uh, They could have put Alan in charge of her bits. That would have been better. But I find it quite weird that all the gardeners are made to wear, uh, like, jackets and ties and things on it. I know, you just think, why don't they just wear some wellies? Well, not just some wellies, that wouldn't be a gardener's... That's what Um, I wear when I'm in the garden. (laughs) I've never never see any (laughs) neighbours. Yeah. They're ushering their children back into their house. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'd like Chelsea to relax a little bit. But uh, it's really great coverage, as, as, as ever. But what about Don Titchmarsh? Because I saw a few minutes of that. I'm a big fan of Monty Don. But I was sat there thinking, yeah, Monty Don, a great man. But sometimes kind of Titchmarsh's kind of boyish enthusiasm maybe suited Chelsea Flower Show better. Or is that terribly controversial? Uh, no, the thing is, I think that Alan Titchmarsh is so involved, I think, in... Uh, Chelsea that I feel like maybe Monty gives you a slight bit more kind of breathing space between the programme and the uh, actual event. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Masterchef. Uh, Masterchef. Tenth year on telly. Who uh, who would have thought it would have got to ten years? Yeah. On BBC One, still very popular. Ping One. Sorry, spoilers everyone, but it was last week. I mean, I wonder whether after ten years it is time to take a little break from it. But, you know, six million viewers, whatever it got... Exactly, it's still doing well, still doing well. Even though, you know, everyone has sort of said it's over the hill and over for a very long time now, haven't they, basically? So that's the good stuff. But, you know, Vicky, we need to grit with the oyster, uh, light with the shade, banana with the ice cream. So what what hasn't been so good this week? Well, what I really really liked and didn't like was, you know, there's been this run of really brilliant... uh, crime dramas recently all these fantastic detectives all over our screens and uh, now channel five has brought back uh, its detective jack taylor played by uh, i know he sounds ridiculous doesn't he He sounds like a grocer or jack something. taylor jack and, taylor. And sons. Exactly, exactly exactly but he's not he's uh, this irish detective played by ian glenn in game of thrones glenn yeah big name well, that's the problem i think everyone in this program is much better than the drama itself so it's on five, and I don't know who they've got to write it, but they shouldn't have, basically. Perhaps Glenn. It's, it's <laughs> just really... It's, it, the exposition is just so bad in it, you wouldn't believe. And, you know, it has people say things to um, Ian Glenn's character, like, you're not a cop, you're not a journalist, you're just trouble. And, you know, there's lots of really <laughs> awful exposition-y lines like that, you know, like... Four years ago, you were in trouble and now you've got yourself on the wagon and you're starting to stop being such a drunkard. And it's just 
diabolical. Um, but it does kind of show up how good a lot of other crime drama is on British telly at the moment. Well, Vicky, that, our last ever TV review and preview with Vicky Frost. Vicky Frost, thank you very much. Thank you. And that's it for this week's show. My thanks to all our contributors who were Helen Zaltzman, Maggie Brown, Steve Ackerman and Vicky Frost. Media Talk is produced as ever by Mr Matt Hill. And I should say thank you for all your kind comments about the show on our blog and on Twitter. You can follow Matt at Virtual Matt Hill and you can find me at John Plunkett 149 Until next week, goodbye. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag and drop tools, and 24-7 supports. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today. No credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.